be a podcast. Podcast, please welcome to the stage the man already making this announcement with the microphone. It's John Hastings, everyone! Yes, yes, yes. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's the final Thursday of the Edinburgh Fringe, yes? Yes. We have that beautiful fringe energy. You guys aren't sure how the show is going to go. I've already was, had a weird interaction with the people at the back. It's just, oh, you guys are hiding in the back. And they looked at me like, how did he find us? <laughs> he can see us. Is he going to make fun of us? I'm not going to make fun of you guys. Like, you guys came. I, I might make fun of some people. I'm, I'm going to make fun of you, probably. <laughs> but the rest of you are safe, because I got you. I think I've made fun of you before. Nice to see you again. Thanks for coming back and giving me some ammunition. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my little experiment here at the 2014 Edinburgh Fringe. For those of you who've never seen the show before, I'm going to improvise an hour of stand-up comedy based on suggestions from comedians, possibly deba- uh, based on things that have happened to me today, based on things that happened in the room, based on that show. Always oh, being too fucking loud. And I ask them every day, I'm like, can you just keep it down? Just a little. Oh, there's people at the window. Everyone turn around and wave them in. Be- show them welcome. Where are you going? Everyone yell, where are you going? One, two, three. Where, where are you, you going? going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not having a conversation. Yes, we got one. Hey! Thank you so much, guys. How are you? Fantastic. What's up, guys? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello? Hello? We have a man in a beige hat. Obviously has facts about fishing. How are you, sir? <laughs> All right, so if I'm going to catch a salmon three pounds or above, what reel should I be using? Doesn't want to tell me his secrets. That's how you know. Expert fisherman. Well, guys, so th- what's going to happen is it's going to be loose and a little bit wild. It might be funny. I'm going to make fun of the loud noises that show creates. Uh, we've been spreading rumors about them all week. Um, uh, yesterday, I think it was uh, they gave kids AIDS. So today, that's too harsh. I'm just going to say this. They invented the word cunt. (laughs) Yeah, can you believe that, that they invented it? Before that, the only words we had for vaginas were delightful and ooh, I'd like to live there forever. And then those guys came along and it's a cunt, oh, so harsh. And I know we don't know how to control the volume of our voices either. And I was like, rude, very rude. (laughs) Another man at the window, unsure what he's gonna do. They're going towards the other show. I didn't like that guy. He looked like a school shooter without animal, so I'm glad he's not coming in. <laughs> Uh-oh, I think his mom just heard that, con- that comment. Uh-oh, he's coming back. Everyone be cool. Didn't say anything about you, brother. How are you? Nice to see you. Oh. oh, it's okay, buddy. How are you? How are you? What's your name, brother? James. Beautiful name, James. And where are you visiting Edinburgh from? London. What part of London? West London, really narrowing it down there. <laughs> Where are you from? The earth, which part? The middle bit. Uh, and which neighborhood specifically of West London do you reside in? Chiswick. Chiswick, that's a lovely place. I once got stuck there on a megabus. I don't know if you guys have ever taken <laughs> megabus, but I, listen, people attack it. I have, I have a bit in it my other show, which is at 945 at the Pleasant Cellar, but um, people attack it, but I find the megabus to be a novelty, beautiful way to get around the country because of a couple of things. First of all, they have the thing called the Megabus Gold, which you must participate in. It's 20 pounds, all you can eat biscuits, all you can drink tea. And I'm pretty sure people are getting on that just to steal tea. <laughs> I saw an, an old woman, she took an empty Tesco bag out and just put all the tea bags in it and then got off at the first stop, which was Heathrow Airport. And I was like, I think you're just doing your shopping on the Megabus Gold. <laughs> it was, it's an amazing way to ride. I once had a completely empty coach going from London 
to Glasgow. It was just me and the driver. And I said, you know, you could kill me. And he just laughed. <laughs> Which was, I was like, oh, this is bad. And I was like, hey, and then we're, like, we were about to go. And I was like, hey, do you have any like tricks for sleeping? And he's like, well, there's, because some of the mega buses are double tiered. He's like, if you go upstairs, you can just lie on the middle aisle and you can sleep the whole way. And I was like, that's a great idea. He did not tell me about the windiness <laughs> of your motor systems about three hours in. So I'm in like full REM sleep, splawled out like a homeless man on a bus floor <laughs> using my, uh, my sweater or jumper. You guys call them jumpers, which never makes any sense because you don't jump in them. <laughs> <laughs> but if you wear them too long, you do sweat in them. Our word is better. You can use it even though you don't want to admit our word is better because it's like <laughs> aluminum. Even though aluminum was invented in North America, you guys mispronounce it and say, well, we spell it correctly, which is impossible because when we invent something, we get to uh -huh. name it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the, it just it drives me so crazy. And all you guys give me this patron, I think, yeah, we know, but still, fuck you. It's aluminum. <laughs> say it correctly or you'll never find it in the Sainsbury's. And so, and so I'm, in, I'm on the Megabus. <laughs> I like that joke because you all laugh because you're all in on the prank and none of you have discussed it. It's just a very UK thing of like, yeah, we're going to break the foreigners' minds with that one. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm lying in the aisle of the Megabus and, uh, and he takes a sharp corner. And you ever wake up from sleep and you know something bad's about to happen? And I can feel the inertia of my body and I just slid right into the seat, like the seat supports. What are those called? The legs of the seat, John. Words are hard. And I just launched right into it. Just, ah! And I heard him from downstairs go, watch out for the corners, man. It was brutal, brutal. Um, that was that. Yeah, was the first time I ever went to Glasgow, which as a city has the worst PR of any place I've ever been to. Like I've never had such good Chinese food or Indian food in my life as I have in Glasgow. Everyone has a little bit of history. Like you just be looking at something and they go, oh, we built that because uh, a man invented shoes there. And you're like, didn't someone else invent shoes? But not the way we do it. Uncomfortable and hard to walk in. That's the Scottish way. And then, <laughs> and then disappear. And it's just, it, it has an amazing, Edinburgh too. I find Scotland in general, I have such a comfort in this place because my grandparents, my great grandparents are all Scottish and it feels like I'm just in a country that's their living room and that they're encouraging, but not politely. Like, you know, if you would be successful you'd look good in that shirt. And it's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I think you said I will be successful. And then, I, and then just disappear. <laughs> it's amazing. And then the rain, I always like rain because it reminds me of, uh, I used to be a camp counselor. Uh, do summer camps exist in, in Europe, do they? In the, like you send the kids away, yeah, yeah, they do. In Canada, it's fucking on the rage because there's nothing to do in Canada in the summer because Canada has this perception that it's cold all the time and it's much worse than that. It's either too cold to do anything or it's so hot your eyeballs are sweating. I'm from Ottawa, <laughs> which is it's the most diverse climate of any place in the world. In one year it can be 45 below zero and 45 above zero. So you just have too many clothes. The roads disintegrate within two years. Like engineers come around the world to look at it and go, it's just falling apart. We didn't know asphalt could do that. And so you grew up there and it's just, you're just never prepared. Like you, you're always prepared for weather on this island. You just put on a coat and you either take it off or put it on, and you're fine. In Canada, you have to have like two parkas, shorts, sandals, sunglasses, a gun, a <laughs> knife, depending on the creature you meet in the woods. It's just fucking crazy. So I was a camp counselor, and summer camp, it was the best thing I ever did. I, was, uh, I wasn't like the coolest kid in school, but at summer camp, I was very cool, because I was into like canoeing and swimming and jumping off shit and lighting shit on fire. 
And the summer camp I went to was a bit of a go-ahead kind of place. Like, other summer camps now are very policed because of lawsuits. It's like, you will light the match, and then you will hand it to the designated fire starter gentleman. He is wearing a flame-retarded suit. And then he will hand it over to the wood-designated superior supervisor. And he has doused one log in the right amount of gasoline. The flame will be on for exactly four-point seconds. You will roast your marshmallow and then return to your safety tent. But my camp at that time, it was literally like cabins that were built, I think, during the Great Depression because they needed buildings to make them even more sad. Like there were just these plywood structures that when it, it was windy outside, you could feel the wind like ricochet through the, the little cracks in the wood and just hit you in the face. The beds were gotten from an old prison for cheap, and they just still had them. And this was a Christian camp, the least Christian place. I learned about fingering, the 69 <laughs> position. I watched it. It was fucking mental. Anyway, but it was the best place I ever went to. And also, they would just give you situations. And I always think of rain because of one week. I was uh, second year being a counselor. And there's a thing in Canada called the Children's Aid Society. So they find children who are in uh, odd situations, bad parents, uh, parent has a disease or something like that, and they send them to camp and give them like a break, give them a holiday. And they would send them to us. And I had, I'll never forget, my supervisor took me aside and went, you've won the lottery if the lottery was very bad. <laughs> and I went, why? And then you get a list from the CIS that shows all the kids' uh, things. Now, I gotta be careful, because these kids are real and I can't use their names. So there was one kid, and he had something called day terrors. Do you know what day terrors are? They're like night terrors, only they're awake. It's fucking frightening. <laughs> so you're just talking to this kid, and he's this delightful little kid, he was into skateboarding, and then he'd start screaming and just punching you. And so he had to be on antipsychotics, or he'd just go bananas. And we learned that because he had to be off his antipsychotics for one day. Remember that, one day. So that's one kid. Another kid was this other kid, and he, uh, and he had a problem with rage. And by a problem with rage, I meant he liked to punch you in the face. Have you ever been punched in the face by an 11-year-old? You don't know what to do. Because as a man, you're like, I'm going to punch you back. And you're like, you're an 11-year-old. I will kill you with my giant man hands. <laughs> it was him, another kid. And he was the craziest of them all. His dad had had... Um, I have to be very careful because these are real people and I know that he listens to the stuff I do. His dad had a disease. His dad was cured of it. And his mom, who they lost all their money because his mom had to take care of him, his dad cured of the disease, took the television off the wall, and left the family of five. And this kid at 11 didn't know how to comprehend that, so he wanted to run back to Ottawa to find his dad. But we were three hours away from Ottawa in the woods in an area known as Bear Alley. So you can't have an 11-year-old just running through the woods because that's just the beginning of the newspaper article that reads, 11-year-old killed by bear. <laughs> so those are the three. There was other kids with just behavior issues. One kid said he was in a gang. I took care of that pretty quickly because I said, what gang? And he went, what were they called? The Naughty Bulldogs. And I said, that's not a gang. That's a boy band. And he got so angry. <laughs> and I remember he was like right off the bus and he was like, Naughty Bulldogs for life. And I was like, what do you guys do in your gang? Do drawings and shove little kids? And he went, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's right. Go knock off a lemonade stand. I got bigger fish to fry, tough guy. And so those three kids, it was really fun. One of the kids kept trying to run away and go back to Ottawa, which meant I couldn't sleep. I had to sleep with my feet on the ground and my back on the bed because I would hear him. He would time it. So just as I fell asleep, he'd jump out of his bunk and run out the door of the cabin. So I had to be in a position where I could jump up and chase after him, tackle him, and go, no, 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 and take him and put him back into bed. And we do that about five times. And then my other co-counselor was this kid from Papua New Guinea. And he was amazing because how he would distract the kids is people from Papua New Guinea are perfectly balanced. It's this weird evolutionary thing. So he can do flips from a standing position, 
And I don't care how crazy you are as an 11-year-old boy, seeing a man just do a backflip without preparing for it, you're just like, I, I respect you so much. <laughs> so when they would get really crazy, I would just have him do tumbles in front of the cabin, and they would calm down. So this all came down Friday morning, we woke up, and the whole week had been sunny, which is good, because you can, because who here are parents? Hands a round of applause, you're a parent. Boys or girls? girls? Girls, so with girls, you know you have to distract their mind, or they will like turn against you and mutiny, and you'll end up being the child. You can't avoid Yeah, you can't avoid, you just have to. From how old? Nine? You no wonder you're drinking in the daytime. <laughs> and you're here by yourself, they're not here, they don't know where I am, so peaceful. How many children do you have? So two, so you and your wife can play a zone. That's okay, ish. You live in fear of them every day, don't you, sir? That's it? So you, do you have like an iPad with like everything and you just are eating fiber every meal, <laughs> fiber and cheese, and you just go in there and be like, I'll see you in an hour and a half. They haven't grasped the concept of fruit yet? What does that mean? You're just going in there and throwing fruit in the toilet? <laughs> So you're, you have hopped up <laughs> hormonal lunatics that are only eating protein. Oh, what a fucking hellacious life you must lead. <laughs> so three days a week, all three of the girls in your house are hormonally angry at you while you're walking around just putting shit in the toilet. <laughs> like, you've thrown out all the toilet paper in the house just so you could go to Boots, haven't you? I love how you're just like, yeah, of course. What the fuck? You, I'm not going to stay in there with that madness. I'm going to go break something outside. God bless you. Round of applause for this man. <laughs> well, for those of you who are parents with boys, you know the trick with boys is you just got to run them around and they'll tire out after they beat the shit out of each other, call someone gay, and then they're fine. But in the rain, you can't take kids outside in the rain. And so we were trapped in the cabin. And I will remember this moment for the rest of my life is I'm sitting there and then I just hear a scream and one of the mattresses gets thrown. By mattresses, I mean the bunk beds gets thrown from one side of the room to the other. And I went, well, I didn't, he's 11. I don't know how he did that. And I walk in and the kid who has day terrors is just standing there with his shirt off going, come on, who wants to fucking go? And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then like, on cue, the camp nurse like drives up in a car, like the cavalry, and like the car skidded. It was an emergency. She came in and went, John, we have to talk. And I went, give me one second. And I'm just like, you stay right there, and then we will fight. And then he was like, yeah, you got it, man. You fucking got it. And then she takes me outside, and she goes, John, um, so uh, he's on um, antipsychotics for his day terrors. Now, he has to be off them uh, one day a year. We just talked to his parents. That day is today. Um, it's gonna get a little weird. <laughs> and I went, it's already gotten a little weird. He just threw a bunk bed across the room. And she went, oh yeah, he has no concept of his own strength. You should be careful, you might wanna carry a stick. <laughs> and I went, really? And she went, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going in there. And she got in the car and drove away. <laughs> and so I turned back to go inside. And as I do, the kid who's been trying to run away, I open the door and he just bolts. So I chase after him, I tackle him into a mud puddle. So I'm covered in mud and I go, come on. And I try and shower him, but boys don't like cleanliness. So I'm just hosing him off like a dog, just to stay there. 
The other kid is the kid who's on antipsychotics is literally ripping trees, like not real trees, but saplings. It's still intimidating. <laughs> See a human being out by the root. Yeah! 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 One of the other kids is trying to get everyone into gambling, which is just weird. <laughs> You're 11. What are you betting on? Me losing my mind? And then it, I blacked out. I blacked out. I don't know what happened. What evidently happened was I went, guys, I'll be right back. And I just walked in, and I mimed going into the toilet. And then I just went over to like a bit of a trail, and I just threw up everywhere. And then I opened the door to the toilet that wasn't there and walked back into the scene. And they're like adults looking at this being like, uh-oh. <laughs> I think he's crossed onto their side now. <laughs> and they had to, and I was like, all right, let's do this. First thing first, horseback riding. There were no horses at that camp. <laughs> and what had happened is I had had such little sleep that week, I had a full-blown panic attack, and my body was like, oh, we'll just reset him. Because like, your body knows you. It's just like, oh, he knows how to deal. We'll just reset him. First thing to do, get all the food out of his body. He doesn't need that, because he's going to need to fight an 11-year-old who is the strength of the Incredible Hulk. So I did that. So the entire camp, they had to surround me, and I'm getting all punched. They're like, I gotta help these kids. And all the kids are just staring. They're like, I think we killed him. <laughs> and what they had to do is they locked me in a bedroom. I have no memory of this. It's very weird. I don't have a memory of this. But I, they locked me in a bedroom with a radio and some water. And I kept trying to get out. And I'm also apparently pretty strong and also a little crafty, which is they all went away. And then I just knocked on the door from the inside. <laughs> for long enough that one of the people that does maintenance at the camp walked up and went, hello, and I went, I'm locked in here. And they went, oh, sorry. And then they opened it, I just walked out and went, sucker, and then went dry. <laughs> so they got me in there, I finally fell asleep, and I woke up like it was nighttime. And I, I have no memory, so my last memory is like, don't do that, and then I wake up and it's darkness, and I went, oh no, <laughs> what happened here? And there's a radio, and it just says a note that says, radio when you wake up, and I radioed. And they went, uh, oh, we got to tell you what happened. So they tell me the whole story. And I went, what happened with the campers? And they, will, they were like, well, a couple of them thought you died. So that calmed them down pretty quick. And then the other one, the one who kept trying to run away, he apparently was blaming the other counselors. So he climbed up a tree and was not getting out of the tree until I reemerged. And I reemerged like that, like Jack at the end of the movie Jack. I've been watching a lot of Robin Williams movies since he died. I don't get you to get that reference. But he's very old and weak at the end of the movie. And I go out and he's in the tree and I go, hey, buddy, I'm not dead. And he went, all right, good. Thought you might be dead. I'm going to get out of this tree now. I really have to poo. <laughs> and I climbed out of the tree and he hugged me and went, I'm really sorry that happened. I went, I know too. And then he went, but I got to see you throw up and that was awesome. <laughs> and I went, thanks, buddy. And he went, it was really good. A bunch of squirrels ate it. It was so cool. <laughs> only 11-year-old only boys think that's awesome. It's just like, oh, squirrels just ate poo. What an idiot. And so then they fucked off. So that's always my memory when I think of rain like this is I actually get a little panicky. Like, am I going to wake up in the black room again? <laughs> that story wasn't necessarily funny, but you all enjoyed it. Except for you, miss, looking at me like I took a shit in your cereal. But the rest of you... <laughs> I had a bang up time. I always think about that. I was 17, and I was put in charge by that camp for that business. And what I realized now is because the next week they gave me the week off with pay, and I had to sign something, and I realized I had a lawsuit on my hands. And if I had been a bit more litigious, I could be owning a summer camp right now <laughs> as opposed to performing here in this great... I love this room, but the heating and ventilation of this room is that of a dolphin's asshole. <laughs> it's just so sweaty, because it was this perfect temperature, none of us in here. One person walks in and it just rockets to hellacious volcano heights. 
And it's now only, like you, sir, in the short sleeves. You're going to be shirtless by the end of this. What is your name, brother? Jake. Jake. Very intense man, Jake. <laughs> it, it's not a compliment, but I'm glad that you took it that way. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've worked on it a lot. And what do you do for a living, Jake? I'm just backpacking at the moment. You're just backpacking at the moment. Where are you backpacking from? Australia. Get the fuck out of here. The joke there is that Australians are always backpacking, and so it's not a shock <laughs> that an Australian would be backpacking. I will explain the jokes as we go along. I'm that good. Now, now Jake, where have you been on your backpacking adventure? Fuck yeah, Brighton. Let's talk about who here has been to Brighton. One person, three. What the fuck are you guys doing? Do you not enjoy merriment, gay gentlemen, <laughs> antiques and shirts that are like, what is this? It looks like an upholstered 70s room, but it's a suit. <laughs> Four quid or a song, my friend. I walked into a vintage store in, uh, in Brighton and I put on a cowboy hat and it didn't fit me at all. And the person that owned it went, you have to have that hat because it's funny the way you look. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to buy it. And he went, well, I'm not going to let you pay for it. Keep it. And, he and then he showed up at the comedy show, sat front row and went, put on the hat! <laughs> put on the hat! And I had to go backstage. I put the hat on. I walked out and it killed more than anything I've ever written in my entire <laughs> life. It is such a, it is literally the place in the UK that keeps me living on this island. Because I live in London and London will fucking get to you. You know, you're in West London, you're in Chiswick, you know what I'm talking about? It just, it fucking gets on your head because it's too many people upset about everything, nothing works, no one's fixing anything, and their excuses are insane. Why isn't the tube working? Because it's Sunday. What does that fucking mean? <laughs> like, and it's just, you walk around and there's no explanation. The homeless people are just too... They're eerily aggressive, and they always have a story like, I used to work in this building, and then it was 2008, and now I'm here. This is my family. We ate our dog. And you're like, oh, God damn it. And it's just, it just jumps on you. And then you get on the train to Brighton, six pounds. You get off, and there's just someone smoking weed and playing bongos that he made himself. And you're just like, oh, what peace. And then you go and sit on what you guys call a beach and what I call a quarry. <laughs> It's not a beach. It's not a beach if you can take the sand and it's the size of your head. <laughs> you can't build a sand castle in Brighton. You can build a weird great wall of China. <laughs> and you just sit there and like a hippie girl goes, oh, my name's Atreyu. I, you won't really wonder about my dreadlocks, but I've had them surgically enhanced. Would you like a beer? And you're like, you know what? I want something like homebrew. And they're like, oh, we have a beer. It's called Smefferhim. And it, and it actually has little bits of folk songs inside the pot. <laughs> and you're like, I would like that. And they bring you the beer, and it's like weirdly... Because in Australia, you guys have cold beer, right? Yeah, I'm from Canada. We're civilized. You guys don't know about refrigeration. <laughs> and that you can put things in the refrigerator, and, and they stay... And turn the refrigerator on! And turn the refrigerator on! I literally... Last year was the last time I had to start asking for, could I have the beer cold, and I wouldn't get a... What? Why? You want to be refreshed for? No, that's not what beer's for. It's to remind you that it's going to be okay, but not great. <laughs> and it's just, it just gets on me so much. I also like, I'm, I'm getting into, I'm 29, so I'm transitioning from like, I'm drinking because it's cool to I'm drinking because it's almost bedtime and I don't want to have dreams. And, <laughs> and so that means that I'm like, I'm now getting into fruity cocktails, such as Fruit Loop flavored vodka. Let me talk to you about this. All of you can judge me with your eyes, you especially, sir, and you're a father. You need to get into this. 
You know, the fr- have you ever had Fruit Loops? You've ever had the milk after the Fruit Loops have been in it? You know that delightful sugary taste? Imagine that with booze. It's fucking amazing. You have a double of that. It feels like you have diabetes. You fall asleep. <laughs> you lop off a couple of your toes, and you have a great night. It's just, it's so amazing. Go to Brighton. So you've been to London, Brighton, Bristol. Where? Bristol. So you just went to shitty Brighton, basically? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do inside jokes about places in London. I know a lot of you are tourists, but let me tell you, you're going to go to Brighton, then you're going to go to Bristol and go, oh, this is just a shitty version of Brighton with bigger douchebags and no roadways, because they don't, it's fucked up. Anyway, so Bristol, <laughs> Brighton. What's your, you're just seeing yeah. everywhere in the UK? Oh, well, we can, yeah. Fuck yeah. Manchester? No, we have no idea. Go to fucking Manchester. Do it. To ask anyone where the Hacienda is, and they'll just buy you a drink because they think you're cool. For those of you who don't know what the Hacienda is, you know that techno music that you guys, your kids listen to and it's shitty? That used to be really good because it was a band called New Order, and then they had this music club called the Hacienda, but then they burned it down and built condos, and now all that music's shit. So, Manchester? No. Okay, so London, Brighton, Bristol. Devon. What the fuck? <laughs> That's like going to Australia and going to Sydney, Melbourne, and then a guy named Gus's shack. <laughs> what was in Devon? What the fuck are rallies? What the relatives. fuck? Oh, relatives. Don't act like rally <laughs> is a universal term. If you had said family, I would have gotten it, not rallies. That sounded like a weird train game that the Australians invented. All right, mate, what we do is we slick up the train tracks with Vegemite, and then you slide on a surfboard on it, and if you don't get hit by a train, you win. So you had rallies? Rallies. Yeah, family. Rally sounds so fucking creepy. Like, rally sounds like the uncle that touched you. That's my family, and that's my rally. <laughs> so you saw your rallies? <laughs> and then you went to Newcastle. That's a, you're getting all the sides of the UK right there. Like, Brighton, like, beautiful, like, positivity. <laughs> How much for this tie-dye shirt? A haiku and positivity. <laughs> and then you go to Newcastle, which is like just a man pissing inside of a child. Like it's just a dead child. The child's not alive. And uh, it's just the most go-ahead crazy town. Like I, I saw a man get head-butted at the train station in Newcastle by his friend because he didn't give his ticket quick enough to his friend. It's just a mental place. I like it a lot. It's, you just have to be prepared for it. That's the thing with the UK is you have to know the city going in. Like Manchester, I know it's going to have a weird egg smell and everyone's going to be really mean. And then when you go, I like it here, they're going to go, good. Yeah, the north is the best. Newcastle, you're just going to see something you didn't think was real. Brighton, you're just going to see a woman that you thought was a right-wing drawing of a hippie. You just have to be prepared. And so Newcastle, then Edinburgh? How, how are you liking Edinburgh so far? Loving it. And you're living in hostels? Yes. How's that going? Well, the one we're staying in is great. Great. Anyone have sex in your hostel room while you're trying to sleep? No, they just sleep. They just sleep? Very professional, Jake. How old are you? 27. 27. Is that a little old to be doing backpacking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to be insulting. I don't know. I'm, just, I, I'm from Canada. We don't backpack because we already have... We can't. Because if you have a backpack and you stop rocking, stop rod whip. See what happens? As soon as a Canadian starts talking about backpacking, our, bri- our minds just melt. We just don't do it. It's just this weird thing. Like, Australians, I do appreciate your, like, your nation has this thing of, like, go out there, see the world, get their money, and then bring it back here and get a job in a pub. Like, it's this weird sort of thing, right? But the rest of the world doesn't have that. Why do you think Australia has that? 
Laziness? <laughs> Possibly. And what do you want to be when you grow up, Jake? What do I want to be when I grow up? Yes. Fireman. You were a fireman? I wanted to be a fireman. What happened? What did you find? Graphic design. Graphic design. Those are two very different <laughs> jobs. I love rescuing people from what? Wait, fire? Scary. I will draw. And wha wha what took you away from being a fireman? What was it specifically? You forgot? You have the weirdest biography of anyone I've ever... I was 18 years old. I was in a fire. Then I blacked out. I woke up and I was in an office drawing the Nike symbol. <laughs> Is that how it worked? Uh, somewhat. And are these your friends you're backpacking with? Just this guy. Just this guy? Yeah. So he is the uh, he's the rigs to your Murtaugh? <laughs> that is a lethal weapon reference that none of you got, but it's very good. <laughs> because you see, uh, Murtaugh is the sensible gentleman with facial hair, Jake, obviously, and you have a rebellious curly hair, <laughs> obviously indicative of a character played by Mel Gibson in the 90s before he was a drunken racist and he was just a <laughs> handsome man who removed his shirt. <laughs> And your name, sir? I'm Rowan. Rowan. Yeah. Rowan and Jake, just a heterosexual gentleman's adventure through the UK. <laughs> Holding hands for warmth, not for sexuality. Come, let's go to Newcastle. Let's get drunk with ladies who have stories better than us. <laughs> and have you guys, have you brought any ladies back to the hostel for some visa exchange? <laughs> I feel like there's a story here that neither of you are sharing. <laughs> Have you guys crossed swords in Brighton? <laughs> For those of you who didn't get that joke, cross swords means you are having one of those threesomes where it's uh, one girl and two guys, and then there's a trip situation, and the guys end up touching penises or crossing swords. <laughs> Can't believe I just explained that with my mom sitting in the room. Now, um, oh my God. <laughs> That's the fucking creepiest thing <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. We can, by the way, after each show, my mom and I have a discussion where he goes, I don't think I'm going to chime in anymore. And then I go, cool, that's a good idea. And then every day, boom, <laughs> gets creepier and creepier. <laughs> and so what inspired this backpacking trip, gentlemen? Just felt like it, I guess. Just felt like yeah. it. The, no, no excitement for seeing the world from the two of you. Like you, <laughs> you you're doing this amazing, adventurous thing, and you're acting, you're like, well, we just woke up, and uh, <laughs> uh, we were just looking at a binary code. And we thought, one, zero, one, zero, one, time to go to Brighton. <laughs> like, have you seen something that's changed you on this trip? Like, is it just like the lack of sun is drawing out your weakness as Australians? Because you guys, again, don't strike. Australians always think of boisterous, intense men looking for someone to sex and something to drink. You guys are very, like, calm and gentlemanly. You're more New Zealand than Australia. I fucking said it, and I stick by exactly what I said. <laughs> Like, you guys are going against the stereotype I have of Australian men, which is a man in shorts, no matter the situation, blonde hair, and his conversation always ends with, look at that girl's hiney hole. Like, you are not... That's what Australia... If you met Australians here, they are just date rapists waiting for an opportunity, and you guys are going against the stereotype, and I totally appreciate it. That woman is smiling in the back because she knows exactly what I'm fucking talking about. And so, yes, good. Go out there. Spread positivity about the land down under. More Paul Hogan. Less Chopper. <laughs> do, you, do you guys know who Chopper is? Yeah, you should not have let him be a celebrity. That does not look good, that you're a nation founded by criminals and one of your celebrities is famous for being a shitty criminal. <laughs> for those of you who don't know who Chopper is, he's this weird fat guy who lied about murdering a bunch of people and then went on a spoken word tour and then died. 
and he's become this weird sort of hero in the way that like Hunter S. Thompson has become a hero and that he's this counterculture person. But in the same way that Hunter S. Thompson and these guys, their legacy actually really devolves very quickly because they're cool for like 10 minutes and then their behavior continues. Like Hunter S. Thompson wrote one of the best books ever about American politics, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail, and then went on to have 30 years of just being a shitty writer, typing stuff about the Eagles, getting fat in the worst way that all of his fat went to his face, and he had little thin legs like a puppet, and would walk around only in capri pants with whiskey. And it just ruined it, because I fucking love his writing early on. But he's just way too many drugs. He covered uh, Muhammad Ali's Rumble in the Jungle, and his summation for, um, for Sports Illustrated was, the pool in Zaire was not good. George Foreman won. George Foreman did not win. <laughs> it was Muhammad Ali. And so, uh, and so Ron, Jake, what do you do back in Australia, Ron? Uh, I've just been studying for... What did you study? Commerce and graphic, and that's how you met Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were drawing stuff together and thought, "You've also drawn a perfect circle that is organized. <laughs> I've drawn a perfect circle that is organized. Yeah. Let's go be the two not make sense backpackers ever. <laughs> Quickly get rolling bags and ergonomic satchels for our cash." <laughs> What's the craziest thing you guys have seen backpacking? Um, actually, I've heard something pretty crazy. Back at the hostel, there was a Brazilian guy, and he got kicked out for fist fucks. <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> he woke up completely shit-faced. <laughs> Thought he was in a toilet. Pissed on the guy on the bunker on. Oh, what a weird day for that guy waking up. <laughs> That's not a good day. Like, he could have gotten a blowjob that cured cancer later on, and it would still be the day when a man from the jungles peed on his mouth. And so what, uh, but what's the weirdest thing you guys have experienced? You guys don't seem like you've done a lot. You seem like just stare forward and seem, un seem concerned about your well-being. Nothing really out of the It's only been a month. That's a long time, Jake. <laughs> I li I went to, I, my only big traveling is when I first came to the UK, I flew to London and I was there for a month. And I saw some crazy ass shit just being in a hostel in London. One day, this guy showed up. He was on cocaine in the afternoon. He was in, he was, it was just me and him in the hostel room. And I've never seen, his jaw was separate from his mouth. His jaw was over here. His face was over here. And he went, I'm studying physics at the university across the street. It was just a kebab stand across the street. <laughs> and he went, yeah, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Do you want to do coke? And I went, no, man, I'm cool. And then I packed up all of my stuff and had them put it in the vault at the hostel. And then I went out and I was doing, trying to do gigs, trying to learn how to be a comedian in the UK. So I did some gigs, came back, and he had piled all the mattresses on his bunk bed on the top bunk, and he was lying on top of it, passed out, naked. But obviously someone else had come into the room because there was a towel over his butt like this, and there was just a bottle of vodka in his hand that was obviously full when it started, but then it drained completely open, and then there was just a lake of vodka in the middle of the room. And I went to the hostel person, I went, the guy in my room is really fucked up, and they went, ugh. Steve again. Has he talked about how he's a professor? And then they just mopped around him and lugged him into the like common area and he slept on a couch. That was day three. <laughs> day 14 was the Super Bowl. I love the Super Bowl. I'm not a big American football fan, but I love it. I watch it every year. It's my little tradition. I just pick a team based on whichever color I like. And it was <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Green Bay Packers. I like green more than I like black, so I went for the Packers. And it was me and a bunch of guys from Moscow, Russia. Now, they knew nothing about American football, but they're like, why do people watch this? That's not a Russian accent, but just stick with me. And I went, well, they gamble on it. And they went, we can gamble on it? And I went, yeah. And within seconds, 
a vodka bottle is produced in the uh, hostel bar. They've paid the guy to keep it open, and they've now made bets using shots on who's going to win. But they don't know the game at all. The, the referee was involved. Like if the they went, if the zebra man moves right, you have to do two shots. But if the zebra man moves left, I do two shots. And and we were playing green versus black, which led to a lot of people screaming, blacks, 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 at four in the morning in a hostel. And I'm Kid Canada, sweet lad in the city. And I don't know if you've hung out with Russians, but they they may not be sketchy, but they appear sketchy because they're always just. <laughs> oh my god, I've seen Eastern Promises. Am I going to end up by the Thames? Like, and it's just so intense, and we were so drunk. And there was like, you are a very good American. And I went, I'm from Canada. And they went, ah, even better than American. And then they hugged me. And then one guy just gave me uh, 20, what's Russian money? Ruples? Ruple. He gave me 20 ruples and went, this is worth a lot. And I went, oh, thank you. It is not worth a lot at all. <laughs> It was a pound, and so that was day 14. And then on my second to last day was the craziest, which is I was, uh, it was like the day I was gonna fly out, and I don't know if you guys have ever taken a plane in London. It's the fucking worst, because none of the airports are in London. They're in another, I think they're in France. Because you have to take 10 buses, two trains, a man carries you on your back, you take a helicopter, and then you arrive at the wrong terminal. You have to walk through a Marks and Spencer's, find a guy named Joshua. Joshua gives you the right sandwich. That sandwich you used to bribe a security guard, which gets you into a, sh a place that sells sunglasses. I'll never fucking understand this. Every airport in the UK has three different shops to sell sunglasses, but only one place to buy coffee. What the fuck do you think is gonna be in the rest of the world? Well, we don't have the sun, it must be blinding. And so, <laughs> and so it was my, and I'd never gone to Heathrow, so I like was like up. I was gonna have to get up early and I show up back at the hostel, I'd done a gig, all my stuff's packed. And there was, this is where part of my, there was this Australian guy and he was gross looking. Like he had a, like that weird tumor belly, you know what I mean? Where he like tries to work out, but he also loves to drink. So he's like jacked right here, but then that gross like, Oh, I have a baby, and it's alcoholism. And, <laughs> and he stood by the door waiting for me in shorts, and he went, oh, mate, I'm trying to work, in, work into a threesome, so can you sleep in the hallway? And I went, no. <laughs> and I went, oh, it's a little inconsiderate of you, seeing as I've purchased one of these ladies for said threesome. And I was like, you brought a whore to a hostel? How old are you? Like, if you have money to buy a woman, buy a hotel and he went oh good point oh well and i just like went in and there was no girls in there and i was just like what and i went out and they went where where are these women and he went oh they haven't arrived yet i wanted to check with you i said like, how long have you been waiting he went about two hours i don't really and he went i really haven't thought this through <laughs> it was so fucked up but also the door had a second lock on it so i just double locked the door and went to sleep and I, I woke up and he was sleeping in the bar of the hostel very much alone. It made me happy. I don't agree <laughs> I don't agree with buying prostitutes. I find it creepy and weird and illicit. And listen, if you can't somehow figure out how to be charming enough or present yourself in a way to find someone that wants to have sex with you, then you don't deserve to have sex. That's what masturbation is for. The <laughs> internet literally will have any type of porn to suit your tastes. Are you into stick with me? A woman riding a horse, she gets off the horse. She puts on a denim jacket, nothing else, and sits in a swimming pool? Well, that, my friends, exists. It's called American. 
It's very popular <laughs> in Japan. A friend of mine works for Vice Magazine and told me about it. And Japanese businessmen watch it because they think that's what American women do. That they gallop <laughs> on horses and then just get into swimming pool and denim jackets and stand there. I don't know what the nuclear bomb did to that country, but it's some fucked up shit. <laughs> I'm going to stand by that statement even if you guys know that. How are we doing for time? 40 minutes and we haven't even started the show. That is a new record, my friend. <laughs> my graphic design friend. And what university do you go to? Uh, university of Birmingham. And what are you studying there? Psychology. Psychology. Favorite psychologist? Uh, <laughs> 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 Freud. Yeah, quite like it. You like Freud? He's not fucked up, but I like him. Come here. Sit here. <laughs> Are we familiar with the works of Sigmund Freud? Yeah. Are we familiar with the fact that he was the pioneer in put, making cocaine into a powder because he felt it wasn't efficient enough to inject cocaine? <laughs> so we want a better way to deliver cocaine to his brain. Did you guys know that? Now you know that. Let's go through some Freud's theories and see how that all plays out. <laughs> favorite Freud theory. What's your name, brother? I forgot. Dave. Dave. Hi, Dave. John. Now, Dave, favorite th Freud theory? Uh, the one, Oedipus one. The other one was the... All right. So we're familiar with the Oedipus complex? Oedipus yeah. complex proposed by Sigmund Freud is that every boy wants to kill their dad and fuck their mom. A couple of problems with that. Not true. <laughs> Two, he didn't, he didn't like he thought it up and then found out about that play and called it the Oedipal Complex. He was sat in Vienna watching a production of Oedipus and went, yeah, that could be a theory. Yeah, yeah I'll just <laughs> tell people about that. And he did, because he was on cocaine. I don't know if you've been around people on cocaine, but they believe in a lot of shit. 9-11 conspiracies are because cocaine made a resurgence in 2001 and people were coked up with the internet and went, you know what, those buildings were probably brought down by a secure explosion, brought by paint that was made of, uh, of thermite. Yeah, thermite paint's a thing. And then they type in an article on Wikipedia about how thermite paint's a thing, even though it's not a fucking thing. Thermite has a distinct smell that would be caught by, you know, people and they'd start dying because thermite's a fucking poison. I don't like conspiracy theories. Anyway, Oedipal Complex. And why do you believe the Oedipal Complex is real? Have you fucked your mom? I don't believe it. I just find it funny and interesting. It's the most English response to that I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. He's my favorite, not because I agree with him. I find him ridiculous, you <laughs> European cunt. <laughs> All right. So what, other what else do you know about Sigmund Freud? Uh, uh, he's never met any of his patients. I think he, all the published work he did, he never met any of the girls he talked about. They were all middle class. He's just a really bad psychologist. I, thought, I like that. Dave, you don't look at your watch. I have to say this about you, Dave. I love you so much that your reason you like Freud, I, I also knew that he never met any of his patients. He'd have other people meet them, and then they'd write notes. But they were also on cocaine, so their notes would be like, Debbie walked in, Debbie was wearing shoes. I like shoes. I got to buy shoes. Let me tell you, I fucking invented shoes. Do we have more <laughs> cocaine? Freud, give me some fucking blow, brother. I will suck your dick for some coke. And he was like, that man wants to suck my dick. That's because he wants to fuck his mom. I look like his mom because in Austria, a lot of women have beards, apparently. <laughs> and so, edible complex once again. And what do you know what Freud's uh, nieces, nephews, and daughters did? Uh, they're in fashion, I think. Well, one of his daughters spent her entire life completely and totally uh, disproving every theory because he tried to use her as an experiment i.e. he tried to be like, are you sexually attracted to your father? And she would go, no, this is creepy. And he went, but what if I'm wearing capri pants by a lake? And she went, no, this is even weirder. And he went, now I'm removing my shirt. And he was like, fucking gross, Dad. And he was like, but I'm Sigmund Freud, cigars. <laughs> All right, next, what's, who's your second favorite psychologist? I only know two, Freud and Jung. 
The only thing about I know about Young is Young was Niles Crane's favorite psychologist. Uh, Fraser Crane. No, <laughs> Fraser was a Freudian. Niles was a Jungian. Don't fuck with me on that. Fraser Crane's your second favorite? Fuck yeah. Now, do you like Fraser from the show Fraser or Fraser from the show Cheers? Fraser. Yeah, fuck yeah. Are we familiar with the show Fraser? Let me tell you about how fucking crazy good Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer is uh, basically the biggest disaster of a human being ever. Like he, like you know how we all have that friend who loves drugs. That friend should be called the Kelsey Grammer, because Kelsey Grammer, when he signed on to do Frasier, he put in his contract, "I don't have to learn lines," and they, because they, he didn't want to do the show, and he was just like, "I don't want to learn lines," and they're like, "Well, how are you going to do the show?" And he's like, "I'll just make them up." Like, we can't do that. It's a scripted show. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Just tell me the lines right before I go on. Which is why if you watch Frasier, everyone else is acting like very specific and cut and speaks in this very clipped tone. And then Frasier comes on and just goes, Forsooth! And then walks away. <laughs> it's because he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And he was also on a lot of Vicodin in the 90s. Uh, also, his twin sisters died in two separate shark attacks. How fucked up that is. He had two twin sisters. One was eaten by a shark. And then two years later, another one was eaten by a shark. How the fuck does that happen? <laughs> like, if my twin sister died in a shark attack, I'm not going into the ocean ever. I'm, no, I'm just not going to wade in with an open wound. Well, it happened to my sister. What are the odds of it happening to me as well? <laughs> That's an actual fact. It's really fucked up. And he also played the Beast in the best, worst movie ever, X-Men Last Stand. That doesn't make any actual sense. And Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen were the products of one of the most expensive scenes ever. It cost them $10 million to digitally remove wrinkles from their face in the movie, even though Patrick Stewart still looks like he's about 25 and Ian McKellen looks like he died during the first Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's weird that they're friends now and one has aged so well. Like Patrick Stewart's dating like a 30-year-old and he's walking around prancing. Ian McKellen's just like, oh, find me a boy and some wine. I'll be sitting in the corner <laughs> thinking about how I know Hobbiton to be real. <laughs> All right, so Fraser Crane. Favorite episode of Frasier ever, Dave? Uh, ooh, uh, the one where they all go uh, skiing and think everyone else fancies the wrong person. That's every episode of Frasier. <laughs> and um, is your family a lot like Frasier, Dave? Pardon? Your family a lot like Frasier? Do you get along with your dad? Uh, yeah. Yeah? You never tried to kill your dad? Uh, no, not, not even once. Has your dad ever tried <laughs> to kill you? I don't think so. What's the weirdest moment you've ever had with your dad? Um, ooh. Uh, after my mum's mum died, he went in the car. All right, which way to the orphanage? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? For your mum? Yeah. That's a funny fucking guy. <laughs> and was it the kind of funeral that happens in this part of the world where you guys got really drunk in the afternoon and he still drove? Uh, he didn't drink, but yeah, it was that sort of funeral. I find that actually very, very strange. I went to a, have you ever been to a Jewish funeral? I am Jewish, yeah. You are Jewish. So did you, like, a sh sit shiva? Uh, not for that grand. Just, yeah. What happened to her? Why doesn't she get to sit shiva? <laughs> she was Christian. You guys could still have given a little hospitality. Listen, I know you guys did kill Jesus after all, so maybe you want to. <laughs> they didn't, though. That's my biggest problem when everyone's like, the Jews killed Jesus. No, they didn't. It's the Romans. Hate the fucking Catholics for that shit. The Jews were just like, we don't like this guy. Get him away from us. And you know what? If I was in their shoes, I, Jesus would be fucking annoying as shit. Walking around, he didn't shower. He didn't clean himself. He's got fucking 18 dudes just wandering around sleeping in the park. He was just a homeless carpenter who was just like, I know God. Like, Do you? 
Do you really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, he talks only to me. Oh, does he? That's exactly what a crazy person says, you fucking asshole. Get off our property. He's like, you can't. My father will be very upset. Your father, Joseph? No, not that guy. The other guy that none of you know. And he's like, what? Fuck you. And he's like, oh, you're going to regret this. I'll be back after three days. And they're like, well, maybe you will or maybe you won't. And also, when Jesus ascended into heaven, they have us believe that he's the home, only human being up in heaven. How annoying a fuck would that be? Everyone else is in a is an ethereal soul ever to transfer throughout the universe to see the glory and majesty of this dimension. And Jesus is just a dude sat on a cloud being like, really fucked me on this one, didn't you, Dad? <laughs> so you're half Jewish, half Christian. Uh, mom converted, but yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, so I'm Jewish. So mom converted to, uh, to Judaism. So she did like the dunking in the weird pool and talked to the rabbi? Yeah, yeah. I really like Judaism. I think it's a very noble thing. That being said, some of the activities of Israel are a little questionable, but yeah, I said it. That was my mom <laughs> whinging. Um, <laughs> let me say this about uh, Judaism. I love the sitting shiva. Do you guys know what sitting shiva is? It's the best thing in the entire world. So someone dies, and then everyone sits in a room with like coffee and cake, and they just tell stories about the person for three days, and then at the end, they're like, all right, we've talked about their life, and now it's done. Let's move on. Because I am Anglo-Saxon. What we do in my tradition is we put the person in the ground and then we don't talk about our emotions for like 30 years. <laughs> and then you get a tumor and you die. That's it. <laughs> and it's just not expressive. I like The Jewish way is very good. What's the uh, weirdest way someone has died in your life? Ooh, uh, I know what you're thinking. Way to really go to the comedic <laughs> part of this interview, John. <laughs> hey, you do it your way, I do it mine. Weirdest way someone's died. I got a good one, too. Not a good one. Well, it's okay. I don't know. I don't know any weird ways. You want to hear the weirdest thing I ever heard? Please. All right. That's a really dark story. It's been a weird show. Anyway, well, fuck it. Anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I know a guy. He was on a boat trip, uh, and he uh, it was at last week of high school. He was on a boat trip, and he was doing a headstand on the boat, and he said, if I fall off this boat, I'll probably get, and he fell off the boat and died. I know, it's really fucked up. What's even more fucked up is that someone told that story at the funeral and it bummed everybody out. <laughs> like it was just like, you've ever been to a really sad funeral and then someone gets up to try and just be like, I'll tell a kicky story. And they're like, not the place for this, my friend. Not the place for it at all. Funerals are, I don't like, do you like funerals? I mean, not like you don't enjoy, you don't go there being like, fine, I get to see a dead body. But in the term of like, do you find them cathartic in any way? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Really? I, I always, it's, you're never sure until you get in the room though, right? Yeah, I'm a bit mad at that. Yeah, so have I. It fucking sucks, because some funerals are just way too sad. My grandmother's funeral, she had dementia for many years, so when she died, it was actually, we're kind of like, you know what, now it's done, and her funeral was fucking amazing, and it was this really beautiful, nice moment, and we all sort of had the emotion about this woman and praised her, and then we sent them off into the ether, and then we went to Swiss Chalet, which is the Canadian version of Nando's, and we had like a... It was fucking amazing. It was like the most fun meal ever. My uh, my uncle Jamie kept taking photos, but badly. And then I kept saying, "Oh man, you're really shitty at photos." You know, maybe I tried. I said something about him dying, which probably wasn't the best idea because he's fought cancer a bunch of times. But you know what? I stand by the joke. He laughed. Well, he didn't. His wife did when he told him about it, which says something about their marriage. I'm gonna have to edit all of this out because this entire family totally listens. And I don't know <laughs> if you know this about my family, but they bring these things up in this awkward way. What? Who's your favorite relative? Uh, my brother. Is he here today? I knew it was him. You guys literally, you look like the Frasier to his Niles. <laughs> Stand up for a second. 
No mistaking. You have the same glass. That's fucking amazing. What is your name? Marshall. Marshall? Dave. Marshall and Dave. You guys should have a sitcom <laughs> called The Gentleman Who Invented Reading. <laughs> and Marshall, what do you do for a living, brother? Uh, I'm a cameraman. You're a cameraman. And what's the weird, have you met any celebrities? Dave, you can uh, go sit down. Marshall, come take the hot seat. <laughs> Thanks for that, babe. Come on over, Marshall. Can you help me in show business? I'm doing a podcast for an audience that only laughs at sad things. I need your help, man. <laughs> can I be a key grip? Can I be the best boy? Absolutely, yeah, please. Yeah, thank you. What is the best boy? I've been on a lot of sets, and I never know what the fuck that is. I don't know. I work on very low-budget low, low nonsense. I can tell from your glass it's yeah. a lot of nonsense, yeah. You photographed a tree dying and went, autistic. Yeah. Well, that, that, would be, that would be a pleasure, actually, someday. <laughs> so who's the biggest celebrity you've ever worked with? I filmed an Elton John concert. That was probably Get the fuck out of here. What's he like to work with? Uh, I didn't really meet him. <laughs> he was lovely, a lovely guy. He was beautiful. Nice. nice. How many flowers were in the backstage area? Uh, they actually had a, a whole wall of flowers behind him. Yeah, Elton John, he's so fucking wealthy, he doesn't go into rooms unless there's flowers. That's the most... A... How no one saw him being gay shocks the <laughs> shit out of me. The man dressed as Daffy Duck demanding that the tulips be pruned and he has a wife? Get the fuck out of here, he has a wife. Favorite Elton John song? Um, Rocket Man. Rocket Man? Probably. No, uh, like 10 great. There are 10 great ones and then Candle in the Wind and then he should have died from cocaine because <laughs> a lot of those songs suck a high hard one. He's doing a new album, and he said, maybe I won't sing on this. So it's just going to be that plinky-plonky uh, keyboard playing. I don't know. Elton John's one of those rock stars. I, I don't know if you find this. But he's one of those guys that he makes everything tragic. Like, he could fall ass backwards into a whoopee cushion factory and come out and going, it was a sacrament. Like, he's just one of those guys. <laughs> There's nothing... Like, he seems like a really noble guy, and he's done a lot of amazing things for charity, but it's just strange. So what it was your job filming the Elton John uh, concert? So that, it was actually a charity. It was a wedding. He was playing at a wedding. Whose wedding? Um, I don't know. Richie Rich Rich marrying <laughs> Moneybags McGillicuddy? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And he gave, they paid him, I think, three million. What the fuck? He gave it all to charity. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Look at fucking Elton John. Good for him. He just went up in my esteem a little bit. That being said, Lady Gaga being the godmother of his daughter, that pissed me right off. It's like, you don't know Lady Gaga. Stop trying to get in the sun, you prick. No. Yeah, I'll be angry at celebrities for no reason. You don't have to back me up, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it right now. Tiny Dancer was a really good song. Candle in the Wind was okay, and I actually like the original version, not the Diana version. And if one more person tells me the song, you know, they messed up the lyrics, and it wasn't actually supposed to be about Diana, but they realized it was. It goes, I know. I get the story. <laughs> Favorite Elton John costume? Uh, I guess like the classic white one with the glasses. Me too. Final, final Elton John trivia question, then we're going to wrap up the podcast. What football team did he own? Uh, an American one, was it? Thank you very much. Do you know how I know that? If you go by the Watford football ground, they have a tiny little plaque of his face but it wasn't done very well because they didn't want to use a lot of money. So it literally looks like, it says, in commemoration of Elton John, and then it looks like one of those drawings of those aliens. 
and he's going like this with a piano, and it looks like Elton John gave the team to the aliens. <laughs> um, so to sum up, have you enjoyed the show? I have very much. Thank you. Final question. Can you sing Rocket Man before we... <laughs> Hang on. I think I might have it on here, so you might have a backing track. Fantastic. If I don't, then you're going acapella, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm kind of hoping I do, but also kind of hoping I don't. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't. Sorry, mate. I don't. So it's all you, buddy. I, I'm trying to remember the first. You can do it as William Shatner, who also famously <laughs> recorded. Did you not know that William Shatner did an album of rock standards, one of which is Rocket Man, and it begins like this. For flying afternoon. And then he realizes he's going into afternoon delight, and he pauses and then goes, Rocket Man. <laughs> the best part is that's the best cut they had where he almost sings another song and then he stops and then starts into Rocket Man. So, Dave, it's a big ask. Marshall, apologies. You always know you're getting it, man. Why don't you talk to you my drink and not the microphone? I, uh, it's not even alcohol. It's just Red Bull and water. All right, so you're going to do Rocket Man as William Shatner for these people. Gentlemen, please rise. Please rise for Marshall's singing of Rocket Man. You just said you. Uh, okay. I packed my bags pre flight. Uh, I don't remember the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> just like William Shatner, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Anything Could Be Podcast podcast for Marshall, for Dave, for all of you. I will see you in the back. The show is not free. Please give money. And by money, we mean what's in your wallet. And by mean what's in your wallet, I mean money that fucking folds. See you later. Thank you very much. One more time for Marshall, everyone. See you in the back.
Like, did you know Marshall and Dave? 